0: What's up, energy fam? This is Justin, and welcome back to another episode of Wicked Energy with JG. My goal with each episode is to deconstruct the minds of today's energy thought leaders to uncover their framework and tools used in their journeys of providing energy to the world. So sit back, relax, and remember that everything you see around you requires some form of energy. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get going here. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here in Zoom land with my man, Puneet Upadia, podcast host of It's a Material World podcast and design assurance engineer at Boston Scientific. Puneet, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. How's everything in your world? And where in the world are you joining us from today? It looks like it might be a basement. There's no (laughs) windows. It is. It's a
1: basement bedroom, which is now my office space in uh, (laughs) St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, Ah. As you mentioned, working at Boston Scientific, at their Maple Grove facility, but I primarily work from home, which really aligns
0: with kind of my preferred work-life balance. Interesting. Well, how would you describe work-life balance uh, as a young stud like yourself? (laughs) Um, To me, it's
1: being able to devote time and energy to everything that I'm passionate about. And at this point, I am passionate about multiple things. You know, I joined the medical device industry to make an impact on those in need. Um, My dad had some heart issues a few years ago and actually got like a catheter and stent procedure. And uh, two of those stents were from Boston Scientific. Um, So it's kind of a full circle moment when I ended up in the cardiology division at Boston Scientific, supporting Mm. their diagnostic catheters and pressure guide wires as a design assurance engineer and then outside of that um yeah i have this material science podcast that has that launched august 2020 you know covid times and um it's been going strong ever since we release podcast episodes every week that's been our goal for the past year and a half and we've
0: been going strong there and yeah, yeah just kind of pursuing everything that i'm passionate about with No that that's great all. and and i wasn't even going to go down this this hole but i'm glad you brought it up you know talking about you know work life balance being able to have the flexibility to do the things you love 10 years ago, or not even, let's just call it before the pandemic, like that was really challenging for a lot of people. And they either had to do it from seven o'clock till two in the morning or from two in the morning till six in the morning. But then you had to go to the office. You know, generally speaking, for those who went into an office environment, blah, blah, blah. Um, which I think, you know, there's always a silver lining to everything. And I think the pandemic, aside from you know, people's families that suffered, you know, and and unfortunately, losses occurring from that. Um, In general, I think it's actually helped change the fundamental ways of how and when we work. Um, I think it exposed a lot of people too, but I think it also helped not only just individuals, but on a macro level, companies figure out how people like to work and realizing, instead of, you know, using, or, or, or measuring success from nine to five is like measuring success on like what they're actually being able to produce and what, yes. they, you know, let's, let's measure performance a little differently. Yes. Uh, which I think is fantastic. And especially as the younger generation, because every generation <clears throat> values things differently on a higher or lesser degree. Right. And yep. so, how, what would you say? And and again, I know you don't represent every single kid your age, <laughs> and I say kid respectfully. Um, but but every kid, you know, every person your age, but like through observation, would you say your generation values things differently than say your parents or people within mid-management in their late thirties, forties? Could you describe that kind of like observationally what you think? Yeah,
1: I've definitely noticed it's honestly different within my own friend group. You know, there's some people who just say they can't work from home at all. You know, like they love to be in the office. They love interacting with people. And so, you know, maybe it's more based on personality traits more so than age, but I also have a bunch of peers now who after COVID, you know, have gotten used to working from home, including myself. And so now there's people that I know who have Trends who are seeking that transition from a hybrid type role or you know full time in the office to more remote work roles, whether that's Mm. in software or you know there different spaces within engineering. Um, But in terms of comparing like my younger generation to like my parents, I would say what I really value is that kind of um, like time freedom in 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 a way where. You know, if I'm, if I get maybe a li- little late start to the day, as long as I'm not missing any meetings, that's totally fine. As long as I'm producing results, as mentioned. And if that means working a little bit late on that day, then so be it, you know, mm. um, but just having that time freedom to be able to like prioritize my health, you know, um, yeah. the the podcast outside of work and, and everything like that. Um, where I would say that's a little bit different is, Um, I guess with my parents, right? Like, um, you know, with children and house and all these roots and everything, um, I would, I'm starting to see that difference as well, or that shift to where they want to be home and spending time with their children or have that freedom to pick up their kids from school, you know, go out to dinner with them, everything like that. So I feel like I'm starting to see that shift across multiple generations, but maybe like back then before, you know, all this before remote work became normal. um, Yeah, I think that it was just kind of normal to have to work really long hours and, (laughs) and travel a ton and not really see the family, you know, that's kind of what I picked up from my childhood versus now.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a great, great answer. And again, it's, I I think it's just fascinating to talk to folks that, you know, have gone through it, and, have you know, whether from before pandemic till now. um, And I think, like you said, just, the level of freedom, but then having time with the family. And as a, as a, as a parent with young kids, um, I value that tremendously. And, you know, growing up a lot of times, dad was gone before I woke up and then came home after dinner, almost when it was time to go to bed. And, and it's yep. like, but he wore it like a badge of honor. It was like, I'm going to be the first one to work and the last one to leave. Like, yeah, support the I'm family. successful. Yeah. Yep. Right. And so it's <laughs> uh, it's, it's kind of changing. And so, and it, mind you, he, owned, you know, our family owned our own business. So he was, you know, he, early mornings, late nights, it is what it is, but it's just interesting sort of discussion because it's, and, and I think there's, there's a lot of companies and organizations out there trying to figure out the right recipe, right? You've got, you know, McKinsey and Deloitte and all these companies gathering data on all this stuff to try and figure out like, what's the right, but I think it depends on the industry, the company, the type of leadership it's, it's, you know, there's no one size fits all, but ultimately I think everyone has appreciated the fact that you know, management is not going to look down on you for wanting to work at home and doesn't necessarily think that you're slacking off. It's just, it's just part of life now. So um, anyway, it's just a good, good exactly. conversation at the very least. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to Matt Winkelstein at the Engaging Perspectives. Um, he, uh, yeah, he's, he's a rock star. Him and I <laughs> developed a pretty solid relationship now over the last couple of months. Uh, you, you, you were actually on his uh, evolving engineering and construction brands podcast, which is how I got connected to you to some degree, because I saw his guests and you were on there. I was like, man, this guy looks, he's hes, he's just really interesting. And, and so that's how I got connected to you. How did you get connected to Matt?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. It's it's just a network effects game and LinkedIn yeah. really drives that, you know? So um, I think I connected with Marcus Lanny. So shout out to him. He went to Purdue and he was building um, his own student organization, ASME, at yeah. at Purdue, great leader, great guy overall. Um, and that was kind of our mutual connection there. So um, Matt, I think, is a mentor of sorts to to Marcus as well as myself. And Matt reached out to me, we kind of slowly evolved our relationship. And now um, I definitely value him as a mentor. Um, and he's been super helpful with offering perspectives and advices. I built this podcast, you know, and, and really, um, try and see, you know, there's so many different pathways and he really helps me kind of focus in and offer his experiences on
0: what really works and what's a, what's a needle mover, uh, um, within this space. Good for him. He's so, he's always just willing to help. He's such a selfless person, which I admire to the deepest level. Um, so yeah, you know, I'm sure everyone's like, yeah, you've mentioned this podcast. What is Puneet doing? Um, (laughs) you know, so if you, if you look on Puneet's uh, LinkedIn, it's, you know, the tagline is like, land your dream job. And, and it sounds kind of like, oh, yeah, everyone wants their dream job. But Puneet, I'm gonna ask you, man, have (laughs) you helped yourself land your dream job?
1: I would say so. Um, And for me, what my what was important to me was making an impact in the medical device industry. And just to preface, right, I'm a material science and engineering student, or, you know, that was my background. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's known for its versatility. The MSE is known for all the different pathways you can follow, whether it's oil and gas, whether it's um, working at Tesla with their battery division, medical devices, semiconductors is a big one. And so one common challenge that I've seen several MSEs face is finding what they're passionate about. You know, what what industry do they want to end up in? What, you know, really gets them going? What gives them energy? And since there's so many different pathways, both traditional engineering and non-traditional, like consulting, like going to law school, whatever, like shifting to starting your own business. That's why we created that course is just to offer, you know, we bring in 15 plus people of different for backgrounds and different roles, different companies to showcase what their company is all about and share advice uh, and their resumes to give a blueprint for success. But to answer your question, I feel like I'm in, in a really, really good spot right now. I, I love the medical device industry, and as I mentioned earlier, it, it hits close to home. Um, well, so yeah. And, and I think
0: <laughs> you 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 hit the nail on the head, right? Talking about what it is like, what's the north star, and what what am I passionate about? What do I value? And then reverse engineering is like, how can I apply that every day? Right. Yeah. And so you, you you've done it, right? Which you know, I was I was kind of jokingly asking, like, have you landed your dream job? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think dream jobs change over time yes. as we evolve, Great. right? My yep. dream job when I was 18 was a hell of a lot different than it is now. Um, and, and you know, I think we, we we're always trying to find ourselves in what our true purpose is, you know, to some degree. Um, but I, I wanna peel back the onion just a little bit and ask you, like, have you always been interested in math and science as a kid? Were you just crushing academics or was <laughs> it something that you were like, throw a dart at the board and you're like, engineering it is, like, how, <laughs> how did you, you know, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say, Yes, like
1: I was always pretty good at, at math and science. And that was, those were probably my my favorite subjects. Um, biology was not my favorite subject. It was more like chemistry um, and like calculus in high school. Um, mm-hmm. So it was interesting that I did end up kind of in like the biomedical space eventually. Um, but yeah, basically, I, I think I knew pretty early on I would be in some sort of STEM career or okay. you know, pursuing an engineering major, just didn't know what exactly. And then my dad signed me up for like a summer Duke tip course um nice. in nanotechnology. and then Ooh. I was like, Oh, this is so cool. You know, the smallest things can make the biggest difference. Um and I was, you know, just had these like this vision, this daydream of you know using nanobots to destroy cancer cells, right? And that was wow. kind of like a I guess a driving factor, you know, I ended up pursuing material science, which is the broader field and um, not quite, you know, destroying cancer cells with
0: nanobots, but still in the same healthcare space right now. So we'll see yeah. what the future holds. Man, you never know, right? The, I mean, you've got multiple lifetimes ahead of you to figure out the nanobot situation, uh, <laughs> which I think is cool. I, I just picture in my mind, like these little robots, just like, blasting cancer cells so like, yeah da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly shooting lasers <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean killing cancers with laser beams is amazing i think we should definitely try to pursue that um and so I, you know uh, you know as a kind of a sidebar i'm curious is that is that something that still interests you like because you that's pretty narrow right like i want to use nanotechnology to whatever cure kill cancer is, is that a field that's evolving or is that more in the academic world i mean where does that part stand? Is it, do you know? Yeah, it's I feel like it's definitely still in its like research
1: stage, you know, not okay. uh mass production, large scale like applications. There's from what I've seen, um in terms of nanobots, I don't think we're we're quite close there in the healthcare space, but there is like gold nanoparticles that you can functionalize and then you can like um illuminate, you know, cancer cells and and be able to really be able to like help in targeting that. Right. And, Ah. um, so there's research there. There's so many different ways is what I've learned, um, to kind of, um, or there's so many different pathways from the research standpoint on destroying cancer cells. Obviously it's just like, um, you know, it affects so many people. So there's going to be a lot of research into it. Um, in terms of my, from what I've seen, I'm not sure, honestly, I don't know if I'll end up transitioning to that space. It was, it's a fun daydream, um, but now kind of, um, I like this cardiology space right now. So in really the short cool. term, I'll probably stick around here and, and just learn and, and be able to figure out
0: how to innovate within this space. Yeah, well, again, I, I, if, I, I think the cardiology route is, is certainly, you know, respectful. But if you don't get back to the nanobot um, <laughs> cancer thing, I think it's totally fine because chat GPT will figure it out. First. Oh yeah, chat
1: GPT will figure it out. <laughs> you can ask them any question, right? Like they got yeah. it figure it out.
0: <laughs> I'm I am so like almost on every podcast episode, I somehow bring up Chat GPT because I'm just absolutely <laughs> mind-blown with the possibilities. Yeah. Um, high-level elevator pitch, good, bad, and ugly with AI. What do you think? <laughs> um good. I feel like there's, uh,
1: going to be some ethical considerations to figure out. And, um, you know, I feel like I'm not too worried about it, like, you know, taking over our lives or anything like that. But, um, you know, I, I read recently about how students are using chat GPT to write their papers and whatnot. Right. And what I eventually see this space growing into is it'll be kind of that template, um, where people will jot down their ideas and will use ChatGPT to provide that like first draft um mm-hmm. and then they'll continuously revise it from there um and I don't think that's a bad thing you know like yeah. it was sim- similar way back when when uh we had calculators right but we we weren't allowed to like use it for our tests and things like that or like we weren't allowed to use the internet when taking tests but uh, ultimately it's a tool that we're going to use in our work lives which is kind of like where where I'm at right now so we might as well use all the tools at our disposal
0: yeah no that's that's that is an interesting take and again there's so much debate and controversy around it but ultimately the toothpaste is out of the tube right so yeah. to and and I was talking to a gentleman uh who's getting his masters right now uh and he was saying that he actually was able to do a project using like tool like chat GPT and it helped it it, it kind of opened my eyes to you know the future of industry is like something that should have taken him maybe a couple of weeks with like research and this and that he was able to knock out in a matter of a few hours with him and his team but this this dude spends a lot of time diving into it and in and, and maximizing its potential so you know the average person just to log on to chat GPT probably couldn't have done it but he's figured out a way to like really leverage the technology to help increase the efficiency and productivity of what he does yeah. It was just absolutely mind blowing, right? Like the excel the, the rate at which we can accelerate the learning and, and applying, hopefully, um, yeah. has some endless possibilities. But I'm always just curious because it's again, it's a big topic right now and it's uh I feel know, like it's-, it's gonna be
1: a, a skill to develop too, you know, like your yeah. hard your technical skills, your soft skills that people are looking for, like your ability to use AI, use chat GPT to accelerate your own productivity will be a skill in and of itself, similar to how like using google for problem solving right like that was something we all had to learn this will be the next thing in my
0: opinion totally agree awesome so uh, let's let's pivot a little bit um and again what so speaking from uh, you know a a perspective of someone like yourself who's early in their career um you deal with a lot of folks that are like like you you know like you said you've got a course really trying to help young engineers or maybe any at any age you know what I mean like I think people pivot now and, and changing careers is not unusual um but what's your take on the engineering uh, engineering as a discipline um and are you seeing a generations pivot away from engineering and the interest I mean what's your sort of observation there yeah that's a good question
1: I would say people it's still like set in stone, almost the pathway of if I'm interested in math and science, then strongly consider engineering. I haven't quite seen people pivoting away from engineering as a whole, but what I have seen is um, the the disciplines within engineering. People kind of, especially during and right after COVID have like high school students choosing their major, for instance, would choose some safer options like mechanical engineering or, or chemical engineering more so than material science and engineering because there is just a lot of unknown in my field, MSE, in terms of what are all the pathways you can follow? Are yeah. people hiring MScs right now? Like mechanical engineering was just viewed as safer, the safer option. Um, but then also what I've seen is people ultimately transitioning back to MSE um as a major when they realize what it's all about. It's kind of that blend between chemistry and physics. Um, and so and there's just so much versatility. You know, I feel like there's a lot of a lot more open doors. And maybe I'm biased there when I'm saying that, but um that's just what I've seen. And that's kind of the perspective the unique perspective I can offer. I can't yeah. really say for sure, you know, from the younger generation choosing engineering versus not, but I can speak to more of like, what is the decision-making when I do choose engineering, you know?
0: Yeah. Which again, I, you know, when, when I found out that you had this course and podcast, which we're going to dive into next because that, that's, that's where the rubber hits the road here, but it's, you know, it's is figuring out the, like the path, right. Cause there's so many options. And I think it's like, you know, it's funny. You talk to someone who's a perfect example of this is like, when they're when you're a kid you literally think there's like four jobs to choose from you're like fireman policeman uh banker <laughs> um you know and it's like yeah. there's great or like youtuber or athlete, <laughs> you know what i mean yep. and so it's like but and so like having conversations like that with my daughter i'm like everything that we do requires some skilled labor or something like you could have a job analyzing Windows, or you know what I mean, like there's like there's literally it's just like you have to like (laughs) expand your mind and have such an open mind to understand like what jobs there's like billions and of types of jobs, um you know which again why I think what you're doing is so fascinating. So, give an overview of of because you've got the course and you've got the podcast. Let's start with the podcast. What is the podcast? Who is it for? How does it help? And then you know your your actual the course, which I think is really unique in itself. What that is and 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 why someone would want to uh, buy into your course or take the course,
1: yeah, sure. um, so my podcast, it's a material world it's a material science podcast that is designed to uncover the secret interactions material science has all around us you know, in a lot of ways, it's a subtle field, it's behind the scenes, but it makes a huge impact um you know in our cars, our planes, right like Everything is made out of material. So we just try to uncover that and dive into industries, dive into like what the next generation of companies are doing, you know, how are people innovating in this space Um, by talking to SMEs in this industry. And with that, our target audience is really kind of like students, high school students, college students, graduate students, as well as recent graduates to show them or to bring awareness to the field of material science, and then, you know, maybe help in helping them pick a role or like a, a field to enter in the future, something that they might want to explore um, in more detail. And kind of outside of that, like, that's probably like 60, 70% of our audience. Um, the rest, really, the goal is just to showcase why this field is so cool, you know, um, so yeah. anybody can listen to it. We, we try to keep it at the fundamental level and then the applications so that people understand the basics and they understand how it applies, how it influences our world, you know, how will it change the world? Um, Okay. And so we just try to showcase what this, what this is all
0: about. So with that being said, I mean, again, it's, it's very niche somewhat, I guess, the 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 yes. topic is niche but it's it applies to everything so it's like niche but it's not um, <laughs> yep. in a weird way so it kind of like oil and gas right like everything uses oil and gas but oil and gas is like yeah true its own thing uh so i'm curious because you get exposed to probably some really innovative stuff are there any trends or emerging technology emerging technologies that just like get you super fired up and you're like this is like the next thing since pants with pockets like is there anything <laughs> that comes to mind Oh, gosh, what comes to mind? Um, So uh, my co-host, David, and I,
1: we attended a conference in Barcelona um, called Puzzle X um, in November of last year. And that was a really cool opportunity. We got to be media partners and have like short interviews with like all of the speakers, like 40 to 50 speakers. Um, wow. And so kind of the big trends that I saw were um, quantum technology. I know that's not like particularly material science related but there's just a lot of things that I don't truly understand but quantum technology has immense potential from what I've seen um and what is that
0: for people who aren't aren't familiar what like is there somewhere simply you can describe what quantum technology gosh (laughs) um or like a use case or someone as a consumer would be like oh that's what quantum technology is yeah um let's see oh <laughs> um, you have the funny I, screen thing again. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Let's see. Um, I know McKinsey is uh. It, so McKinsey has like they're focused on on quantum technology, um, especially kind of w- one of the spaces. But basically, like it's quantum technology. It's like a it's an emerging field in, from the physics perspective and engineering perspective where you're talking about like properties. Quantum mechanics, like very small, um, the properties shift at the quantum level, and because of oh. that, when you're at that small of a scale, um, it's much different from like bulk materials. And so, okay. with that, um, it just enables more applications and um, potentially like higher speed computers, for example, like high speed computing, um, and. You know, I'm not super familiar, so I'm not going to try to like BS That's you, fun. but like, so, yeah, yeah, the... yeah,
0: but go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, I was going to say, like, hearing that, it's like just dealing with like kind of, I want to say it's like nanotechnology, but it's dealing with stuff on such a micro scale that it can shift and do things that we would never see, but would, yeah, could ultimately change structure of something that would allow for like higher speed stuff or yeah like we've seen with
1: quantum computing right
0: like that's a a growing field
1: right like we're seeing everything get faster you know and what does that enable it it just has immense potential as we've seen with computer science today you know
0: so that's well and i think in tying it into renewable energy and, and just energy in general i think that's like materials and and because a lot of the materials used in energy technologies and climate technologies uh, are finite, right? A lot of it's mined. A lot of it is is not synthetic. It's it's a lot of just dirty mining that people then yeah. use to manufacture products. Uh, perhaps there's a solution and technology there that'll help reduce our dependency on you know mines in the Congo or something you know what I mean like you just never know for Um, sure so I think it all ties together but again it's fascinating stuff I mean I'm so interested in emerging technologies all the time and um, you know it just again I was a Jetsons fan uh, as a kid it's like the The future is exciting to me yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i know so, um <laughs> i guess i'm maybe a
1: little young for that but like i i, I understand yeah do you know the what the stuff? jetsons is
0: <laughs> I've, I've seen the
1: cartoons <laughs> or whatever right so um but yeah oh, i think like awesome. the sustainability stuff as you mentioned like finding sustainable alternatives is kind of also when we're talking about material science like that is huge in this space um yeah. we have you know a partner of ours called checker spot and it's so cool right like um you know it's like alternatives from the oil standpoint where they can uh like microalgae they create kind of oils from that which helps make polyurethanes um in like p- perhaps a more sustainable alternative um and then they use those those plastics to make skis and it was, it was just so cool right like it's just oh, very did you make a niche. post on that on linkedin i did make yep i did make a post about yeah, that i got to tour to their facility so that was really cool and just seeing like these are snowboards these are like things i can hold in my
0: hand and they are yeah. made out of like a sustainable plastic so yeah See, I, cool. I love that and and i think you know it's it's there's this huge debate all the time about like oil and gas and it's never going away and but the reality is like if we can not use that if we can reduce the demand and and use things like you're talking about like i think it's gonna you know the petrochemical space and you know distillates and all that like it's you know we can't just like jump away from it and expect exactly. the world to keep operating right but to hear some of this stuff is being deployed and, and used on a commercial level um excites me uh you know again i just think it's fascinating stuff and um you know the more we can Keep it in the ground and use it as needed. um, Yeah, is 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 important, right? Like I think it's for the greater good. Um, so then, so talking about the course, um, you know, describe what that is, and and then because I I think there's a lot of students out there or recent grads or just people kind of unfamiliar with, you know, what in the world can I do with this degree? Uh, I think you could help a ton of people, and so I'm very interested to hear a little more on the course. Yeah, for sure.
1: So. Our course, MSE Academy, is geared towards um, you know students, both undergrad, undergrad and graduate students who are trying to find and land their dream job. You know, um, I think that there's a traditional way of going about finding and landing a job, and in my opinion, or it didn't work for me, and it wasn't really the most efficient way, which is just basically like creating a resume and then blasting it out to you know hundreds of job openings online and hoping right. one of them sticks and that you move forward in the process. Um, you know, for previous internships, I tried that method. Did't really work. And so um, what I have found to work is networking, you know, having informational interviews with peers that are like one or two years above you, um, learning about like being genuinely curious about what they do, their company, the culture, et cetera, and just reflecting and seeing if that was that would be a good fit for me. Um, yeah. And then if so, moving forward and really refining my process. And that's how I ended up refining my process to like three companies within the medical device industry, talking, like really expanding my network in that space, getting referrals, figuring out ways to differentiate myself. And so since networking is massive, right? What our course does is it cuts down on all of that time that you can spend networking with, 50, 100 people, whatever, and instead, you know, consolidates a bunch of that information into 15 to 16 videos, as well as, you know, giving them access to resumes, cover letters, um, and coaching as well, and access to our network, which we've built through the podcast. Um, So basically kind of giving them a blueprint for success, and then letting them tap into our network um, to find their dream role.
0: Nice. That, I mean, again, I think that is super handy and and something that, you know, if I was younger, I would have definitely seen that and said, man, I gotta, I gotta jump on this because you kind of just are always trying to figure it out, talking to people that you, that you somewhat trust. A lot of times it's like, you know, your uncle or your dad's friend or someone, (laughs) you know what I mean? Or your friend's dad, (laughs) who's like, all right kid you got to go do this and here's why because it's you're going to make money and it's a safe job you know what I mean but nowadays it's like there's just so much opportunity out there um you know I guess what's the why like why are you because obviously you're you you're likely on a good trajectory with your career um at Boston Scientific but why create this uh, back-end stuff like what's what's the purpose with all of it yeah honestly um
1: it kind of I really have like gotten, developed this interest in the business side of things and all the things that can enable long-term, you know, like I hear, or even, you know, I've, I've just seen with so many people just kind of like how, um, time freedom would be like sought after, you know, being able to kind of just shift around my schedule, do what I enjoy, travel, et cetera. Um, and I just feel like, um, from the personal personal standpoint, right. Like, um, it was being able to start a business on the side obviously doesn't conflict with what I'm doing um in my nine to five but that just yeah. kind of enables um a different life you know in the future and especially just being able to kind of get all of the immediate um you know benefits of it too just being able to grow my network while I'm building this podcast and also helping other MSEs like that's my why when it comes to um like non-selfish reasons I would say I just like um, I had a professional development organization that I helped built at Georgia Tech called Material Advantage. And that mm-hmm. was aimed to, again, help people find jobs, like set up informational sessions with companies and things like that. And this podcast is just kind of like an evolution from that, I would say. Um, yeah. I just have really fallen in love with the career development side and being able to help people um, because I've seen just like there's a different way of going about
0: things maybe I can help very cool so on the other side of the fence when it comes to you know companies do you see or have any suggestions for how companies can attract you know younger smarter hardworking individuals I mean do you think that companies do a good job of marketing themselves if not I mean are we missing the mark on things there do you have any thoughts around that
1: yeah that's a good question and i know i talked about this with with matt a little bit too um but i would say the flexibility like fostering a culture that um provides that flexibility is probably the best way to attract top talent um Mm -hmm. because there is people like myself who you know maybe i prefer to work fully remotely or in a hybrid setting right? But then there's going to be other people who are, you know, just as talented, if not more talented than me, than me who really prefer to be on site in the lab every day. And again, this is en- an engineering company, I would say, but like, just in general, being able to foster cultures that can support both of those, you know, and be able to be flexible with that. And then talking about that on social media, you know, like, um, it's about, that's, that's especially LinkedIn. That's where I spend most of my time. That's where I feel like from the social media perspective, that's where a lot of other, um, you know, MSEs, engineers, especially in their job search process, they spend a lot of their time there. So yeah. if you can, you know, develop a following there and and provide really good content or even helpful content, right? Like, um, focused on career stuff or just like, what are the opportunities you foster a good internship program, you foster a good early career program so that they're not just kind of, so that I'm not just kind of like thrown into the fire. Right. But I, I feel like I'm growing and have those opportunities to grow when I first enter a full-time role. Um, I feel like all of that is super pivotal. Um, and then just naturally people will have their, their different passions. Right. So just be true to your own like vision and your own mission speak about it often and the right people will, will be attracted to it. You know? Yeah. So that's what I'd say.
0: Yeah. No, I think I've, we've seen a big push, you know, even in our industry is, is folks getting on social media and, and building their brand and communicating their message, really trying to connect with people. Instead of, you know, just cause again, we're, we're, we're at, I would say sometimes at a disadvantage in oil and gas, cause not only do people, or you know, are trying to pivot away from oil and gas, they're not. It's not the sexiest industry a lot of times, right? Um, it's it's you know, it's not like going to work for an Amazon or a Tesla that, you know, looks and has that brand recognition to where people are just naturally drawn to it, and it's you know something they use every day. And well, I work mm-hmm. for the company that I see all over the road, you know. Right. Like, you can't say that about like some my company, um, that I work for, or you know, Exxon or whatever something like gas stations and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, I think having a good social media presence also helps build trust for, for a lot of the, the younger generation or just anyone who's looking to look at, look at jumping on board. Um, again, the marketing piece I think is critical. And we've had to change the way we've marketed ourselves uh because it's you know the data doesn't lie and it's like we need help to 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 keep this big you know machine moving and, and help yeah. supply energy to the world <laughs> yeah <So> for sure <laughs> it's uh it's a it's a huge piece of it so uh but man this is you know again it's been a, a fascinating conversation and I always like talking to folks like yourself that are not in oil and gas that <laughs> that that can give it just a unique perspective. Um you know especially like you said material science is everything that we see requires some form of materials, big, small, and everything in between. Um, so, but, uh, with that said, Puneet, I'm going to somewhat kind of close out with something a little bit more on, again, more just personal stuff is, is for yourself is, do you you have any daily habits or routines that contribute to, to your success or anything of that nature? I love this
1: question. I love this question. Um, I would say yes, because I read atomic habits and power of habit. And I know like that's oh, cool. kind of, you know, the systems that you put in place and being able to do that, like that carries on. Um, and and that makes the huge, like the biggest impact. Um, and so for me, I have a journal, um, and yeah. I have my goals written on here too, so I can always see them. Um, mm-hmm. and then I, um, basically kind of my, like, my daily habits that I've been trying to set in place and have been successful re- especially recently is, um, like visualizing success, you know, um, both right when I wake up and right when I go to bed, you know, whatever my goals are personally, just envisioning myself achieving that. And then mm. just naturally that kind of like hardwires my brain to like take action each and every day to like move the needle towards that, you know, um, Meditation has also been something that um, I enjoy, you know, mm-hmm. um, clears my head, just gets me away from technology, everything like that, exercise and reading. Um, those are kind of like my four core habits. And then nice. um, for me, my my vice, I would say my, is, is my phone, um, you know, so I've really been trying to reduce my screen time and just keeping that way away, like different room has been super pivotal for me um, to reduce my screen time.
0: Yeah, well, I think having that level of self awareness, understanding that you do need to disconnect from the, the phone, yeah. I think is 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 kind of interesting. And I overheard a discussion the other day talking about how kids, and, and I say kids in the sense of like high school kids, almost taking pride of not having smartphones and like going back to flip phones. I, love I don't know. If, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if the, the entire pendulum will swing to where It's people have understood sort of the, the tool that is, is, can be dangerous as, as, you know, as phones and technology and social media, um, again, not to go down that rabbit hole, but (laughs) is, is, is seeing the young generation because they've literally been born with it to understand like yourself, like, I know I need to disconnect, um, you know, when I was, when smartphones first came out, it was like more the better. Like I couldn't wait to get email to my phone because I yeah. was like, I can get more connected and yeah. oh, I can get like updates real time from news feeds and this and that. And now I'm like, Oh, I should have just waited Cause now I'm like at the mercy of this stupid thing. Yeah. Um, and so and I feel not, like it just,
1: sorry to interrupt. I no, just feel no, no, like, no, it, I feel like w- when I had that shift, right. Where I had like, even this was like last week, um, or this past weekend, but there was a day, where I spent like maybe 15 minutes like on my phone. And that's like nice. hugely different from wh- what it what it normally is, right? And I just felt like less foggy in my head and just like more productive and things like that. And that was kind of a key indicator for me. It's just like, oh, like, you know, there's positive effects to this, but having a healthy relationship with my phone is key too, right? Like there's a yeah. lot of good that comes from it, whether that's calling friends, family, loved ones that are, Way you know in a different state, right? Like or learning, like there's just so
0: many good things, but it's important to have that healthy attachment, detachment from it, right? And and it's so I, I have this quote that I've said for so long, and it's a phone is like a, a surgeon's scalpel. It'll either save your life or kill you, depending on how you use it. You yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah, uh, exactly. it's again, it's so powerful. Yeah. Um. But going back to I'm 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 interested and in, and I and I can align or I can relate on the journal. Um, you know, the meditation, I do some of that stuff towards at night. Um, but you said you visualize success. And so I'm curious, and sometimes this can be a tough question to answer. So, but like, what does success mean to you? I mean, I'm I'm curious what that looks like. Yeah. Um,
1: and it ties into kind of my whys. But um, what I ultimately realized is that it's like easier to cheat myself if I feel like I'm the only person my actions are affecting. But when I internalize that my actions ultimately like long term have an effect on the people around me whether yeah. they're positive or negative and that motivates me to um maybe choose that that long term you know self discipline better habit quote unquote um than one that just is more like short term gratification so for yeah. for me success is you know just ultimately becoming a better human, like becoming a better boyfriend, um, becoming a better son, better brother um, and being able to give back to my family, give back to loved ones in my community um whether that's like donations or gifts or whatever you know I feel like I was given a lot of opportunities and I just want to give back um, and you know pay them back for pay my parents back for everything that they've done for me so that's kind of my long term goals and then through there i feel like i'll figure out you know other things that'll fulfill me as well um and yeah. that'll kind of you know affect my why on a day to day basis right
0: yeah so don't screw it up Pune. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah
0: try <trying> not to <laughs> no no it sounds like you're you're again well on your way man it's uh, it's super cool to see um all right one last question i have for you buddy do you have uh, any random hidden not hidden secrets but any any sort of unique hobbies or or you know maybe it is something secret that you kind of do that no one really knows about um that that kind of helps you disconnect and whether it's gaming or sewing or knitting I mean anything come to mind oh gosh um
1: let's see let's see um I love like in terms of disconnecting I love reading like fantasy books like okay like- Um, Even like the young adult books and like I read Harry Potter very recently and like I fell in love with that that series like, but those are the types of books where it's just like, it's almost an escape, you know, like whenever those escapes are needed, like it just takes me to a different world and still keeps me off my phone a little bit. Um, That's what I would say. And then one thing that uh, my kind of next potential hobby that I've been interested in, but haven't quite yet started is um, like Polaroid photography. Um, oh, so whenever wow. I go traveling and everything, like just being able to just explore, take photos and, um, yeah, just see where that takes me. So that's kind of the next
0: thing that is on the horizon. I love it, man. Yeah. Always something, uh, looking towards, uh, always looking for something that next thing, right. It's, it's, but in a healthy way, um, yeah. like you said, you've got, you know, you've got the reading and then, and, and that stuff down, and you're like, Hey, I'm going to try, uh, doing something in the Polaroid space. I yeah. think it's cool, man. It's healthy because you can easily get you know, again, tunnel vision, career, everything else, it's like, you still need to have that sense of adventure, curiosity, learning something new that's not yes. related to your career, yeah, uh, exactly. I think is amazing. So uh, but no, this has been a, a fantastic conversation. Punita. I'm, I'm grateful for your time. Um, what's the best way for people to reach out or to learn more about what you're up to? I can put the link in the show notes, so you don't have to, like spell out everything. <laughs> but sure. you mentioned LinkedIn. I mean, yes. and then where else are you
1: active? Yeah, so I would probably say LinkedIn is the best bet. My LinkedIn profile, um, just posting about that and can find links to my podcast through that. So um, that's probably the best bet. I'm not really on other social media, um, so but I'm active on LinkedIn. So you can reach out to me there.
0: Right. and Discord, right? You said you've got oh, Discord.
1: Yes. Correct. So that's our material science community. Thank you for the, the reminder, yeah. Justin. Um <laughs> we have a material science Discord community where um people just engage with each other, you know, ask questions related to engineering material science cool things in that realm and you know occasionally we'll we'll host events where we bring on previous guests or recruiters and from different companies to share advice have info sessions things like that so um our discord community um is probably the best way to get involved in everything it's a material world
0: great well what i'll do is if you might have to send me the link but i'll put the we'll link do. in the show notes <laughs> to the discord and um you know again that's that'll be perfect everyone that's listening if if you could either connect with with Puneeth or if you know someone who may be able to 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 find value in what he's offering um please reach out and, and get him connected. Um, and last but not least, I'd like to quickly close out by sharing some information about a new uh, partnership that we've landed with the Oil Patch. Uh, it's your daily energy news fix in five minutes or less. Think Hustle Morning Brew for energy. Uh, so please do them a huge favor: subscribe using the link in the show notes or go to theoilpatch.co. Thanks again for listening, and always remember that everyone deserves access to energy, and we is greater than me. Thanks, everybody thanks again for listening to another episode of wicked energy with jg and look if you or your organization wants to start a podcast please visit my website and sign up for a free guide on how to start a successful podcast once you get through it let me know if you have any questions or getting started thanks and we'll see you next week peace